Gimel from Chelek Tezvav, Parshas Taldes. In the Schos of Rafur Shlemo Kreva, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Ben Simachasia. Al Hapasuk Vayhi Kizokin Yitzchak Vatechiena Enov Meirois. And the Pasuk that tells us that Yitzchak grew older and his eyes were weakened and it was difficult for him to see. Hevi Rashi Shloisha Perushim Bebir Sibas Vatechiena. Rashi brings three reasons for why his sight became compromised. First reason is that it was from the smoke of those, a veiled reference to Asaph's wives, that used to bring Avaidazara, uh, used to bring offerings, it seems incense offerings to Avaidazara. Davar Acher, another reason, when Yitzchak was bound on top of the Mizbeach, and his father wanted to slaughter him, in that moment, the heavens opened, and the ministering angels saw and they cried and their tears came down and fell upon Yitzchak's eyes and and so his eyesight was dimmed because of the tears of the angels yet one more reason in order that Yaakov should uh, be able to get the brachis. He should be able to more correctly take the brachis. It's not understood. And the Rebbe is going to ask three questions here. Aleph. It would seem, simply speaking, that Rashi does not seem to does not seem to have to give us reasons because the reason is found in the pasuk. At the beginning of the Pasuk, it says, And it was when Yitzchak grew older. So simply speaking, as a result of growing older, his eyesight was weakened. And like it says about Yaakov, that um, Yaakov Avinu's eyes became more difficult to carry, meaning his eyesight was compromised uh, because of his older age. And as we see, practically speaking, that with age, um, eyesight becomes weaker and a host of other things. So since it would seem that the Pasuk itself provides the reason for why his eyesight became weakened, why does Rashi have to find other reasons? It's right there. It's in the Pasuk. It's clear and obvious and self-understood. Base. Second question. This is one of the axiomatic rules 
that the Chaba has given us in his science of analyzing Rashi, that when Rashi brings two or more reasons or explanations, that it is always because each one of them has some kind of deficit that the others don't have. And the order in which he provides the various reasons is also specific and um, exact. The second explanation has a greater deficit than the first. And the third, relatively speaking to the second, has a more profound, um, let's just say, weakness or shortcoming. And so we have to understand. So we have to understand what is the difficulty, what is the deficit, what is the drawback in each one of the three reasons that Rashi gives. And in which way is the second um, less perfect than the first and the third even less perfect than the two that precede it? That was second. That was question two. Three. Kvar Nisbar Ba'avar Kamapamim. It has already been explained in the past a number of times. Shebemakayim Shehebi Rashi Shloy Shepeiroshim. That where Rashi brings three explanations. Hinei Milvad HaKoyshi HaMiyuchad Bechol Echad Me'apiroshim Befnei Atzmai. This means that in addition to the specific difficulty or deficit that is found in each one of them, which is reconciled or addressed in the other two explanations, it is also true that the two remaining share a difficulty or a deficit that the third one, third one does not. And therefore, there's a need for that third explanation. Because with that third explanation, the problem doesn't exist. And the Rebbe just solidifies this and says in the, in the, in the parentheses, because if we were to say, or if we were to suppose that through the agency of two of the explanation, all of the questions are answered. All of the deficits are taken care of. Then Rashi would not need to provide a third parish. So this means that if there are three parishim, there's an absolute need for each one of those. And each two share a shortcoming that the third does not. The im came. And if so, and so therefore the Rebbe says we have to find what is the shared problem in each two that the third one does not share. And to find how what each two of the of the um, explanation share that is reconciled by the third. Okay, 
So to review, why is there a Rashi altogether? It would seem that the Pasuk provides us with a very, very good practical reason. He got older, his eyesight was dimmed. Then the Rebbe says that wherever Rashi brings more than one explanation, that there's a very, very good reason for it. And the order in which the various explanations are lined up, in which they're brought, is very, very specific and exact. And we have to understand, why does Rashi feel compelled? Rashi never set out to be a compendium of all possible explanations and things that are written in every magician, every Gemara, et cetera, et cetera, to explain a question. Where he brings more than one explanation is because he feels that he must. And specifically when there are three, it means that every two share a shortcoming that the third one does not. And so the Rebbe is going to show us how that is the case in the Rashi under study today. Se'iv Beis. Hatam shali rotsa Rashi lefarish kibish efshar lemer pashto shatam batachienuhu kizokein yitzchak. First, let's address why it is that Rashi demurs from using what seems to be the practical and the obvious answer that his eyesight was dimmed because Yitzchak got older. So the Rebbe explains, Beparsha HaKedemus, Nemar Bayivarech Elokimus Yitzchak. In the previous Parsha, it says that Hashem blessed Yitzchak, Uperish Rashi Sham. And Rashi explains over there, Nisyari Avraham Levarech as Yitzchak. Avraham um, was afraid to bless Yitzchak. Avram said, let the Baal HaBrochas, let Hashem himself come and bless Yitzchak. And that's what Hashem did. And so the question arises, how is it possible? After we understand that it was Hashem himself who blessed Yitzchak, how is it possible that Yitzchak should arrive at a place where his eyesight is dimmed, where something should be less than perfect? And specifically, eyesight, that, that losing eyesight causes a person to have pain and um, troubles uh, and, and um, travail. So much so that Rashi says that a blind person is like, is like he's, he's dead. And it's a simple thing. That after Hashem, who is the source of all blessing, bless Yitzchak, 123 shanim So how is it possible that his age, and especially in those days, living 123 years was not such a advanced age? So how is it possible that his ziknasa, his old age, should, should impact him because it shouldn't have been the case that after Hashem blessed him that he should be harmed 
in such a profound way that he should be referred to Kemes as a dead person for the duration of 57 years. And especially, we did not find this said of anybody who has been mentioned thus far. Even though many lived much, much longer than 123 years, and we did not see mentioned that their eyesight was impacted. Therefore, Rashi feels compelled to bring other reasons for why his eyesight dimmed. This means that most generally and specifically, that because Yitzchak was blessed by Hashem, if there wouldn't have been other reasons that would be kind of mixed into this equation, then indeed, like it says about Moshe, his eyesight would not have been dimmed. But in this case, there were other reasons that got mixed in and it is those other things that caused his eyesight to be dimmed. Gimel. So that answered the first question of why there's a Rashi at all, when uh, it should just be self-understood from the Pasuk. Gimel. Because because as soon as you read this pasuk, immediately there is this question that kind of smacks you in the face. How is it possible that Yitzchak, who was blessed by Hashem, should be stricken with dimness of vision? Canal, as was said above. So the Rebbe says, it is logical to conclude that the answer is also embedded in the Pasuk. Just like the question is, because it tells you that he got older and his eyesight was dimmed, but we learned that he was blessed by Hashem and therefore that should not have been the case. And as the Rebbe mentioned, people lived more years than he did previously mentioned and we don't see the same thing by them. So the Rebbe says, just like the question is so obvious in the Pasuk, the answer should be. We find in the Pasuk, in the continuum to what it says earlier about the wives of Esav, that they were a cause of consternation and bitterness to Yitzchak and Rivka. Because they served by desire. So obviously, Esav's parents were very upset. So therefore, it's logical. Therefore, it's logical to assume that in the juxtaposition of these psukim, the way they're put one next to the other, is alluded to the reason for the dimming of the eyes. And therefore, Rashi brings explanation that the that his eyes being dimmed 
was because of the smoke that came from the offerings, the incense offerings that they were offering to Hekef, and Rashi brings this immediately, he brings this at the very beginning of his parish as the main parish. Why? Because this explanation is alluded to in the Psukim themselves. And Rashi is all about Pshutra Shalmikra. Masha Enkin, in contradistinction, while the other two explanations that he brings are not alluded to in the plain Pasuk or Psukim. Dalit. Meidach, but on the other hand, the Perish Harishan Yeshne Kishoyim. But in the first explanation, there are two problems. There are two deficits. There are two difficulties. Aleph, move on. It's clear, it's understood that Esav's wives didn't live in the same house with Yitzchak. Ella, Bedira, a Bedira Shemeshalahen, but they lived in their own quarters. The Chaim Muvan, and it's also understood, Sha'asu es Ma'asehen Halalu, Sha'ayo Ebdes of Adazaru, Ma'ashna Yisrukulu, Bedira, Obeshushalahen. And it's also self understood that they offer these offerings in their own quarters. The Kivan Shakach, and so if so, Tsas Doichik Lomar, Sha'ashna Chalelu, Bedira son, it's a little, you're a little bit hard pressed to say that the offerings that they brought in their quarters hurt Yitzchak's eyes as he lives in his own house. That's one problem. And if it does hurt the eyes of the neighbors next door, let's say even that they lived so close, why did it hurt? Yitzchak's eyes and not Rivka's eyes. Umach mashnei koshim elu, and because of these two difficulties, the parish harishan in the first parish that Rashi brings, and Rashi brings that as the first parish because it's alluded to in the pshat. But because it has two of these problems, Rashi Therefore, Rashi must resort to provide. The, the, the next two perushim. <clears throat> hey. Vahakoishi haprati bechol echad mishnea perushim acherim. And now the Rebbe says, I'm going to delineate the difficulty, the specific difficulty in the remaining commentaries, in the remaining explanations. Aleph. The first being, Kishanekar al Gabe Mizbea, Hulu Viyordo de Mesem, Minuflo al Enav. The second parish that Rashi brings is that this, this happened during the Akedah, that when the, when the angels saw how Avram Avinu is ready to, to, to slaughter his son, they cried and the eyes fell, the, the, the tears fell into Yitzhak's eyes and dimmed his vision. And the other, the third explanation is Kadeshi Yitol Yaakov is that Yaakov should be able to take the brachis. So the Rebbe says, I'm going to explain what the problem is with each one of these. Separate and apart from the problem that they both share, which, which the Rebbe will address later. And the Rebbe says, I've already addressed, sorry. The Rebbe says, I've already addressed what their shared problem is, and that is that they're not alluded to in the Pasuk. 
Now I'm going to address the specific problems. And then later the Rebbe will do this with every set of two. The Pirish Hasheni Kasha. So the, the difficulty in the second explanation is as follows. Taichen HaPirish. The content of this explanation that Niftuchu HaShemayim V'ro Malachi HaShoriz V'hayu Beichim V'yordu Demaseim L'ficha Kahu Enav that the, the heavens were open, that the ministering angels saw, they started to cry, their tears came down, and they fell into Yitzchak's eyes, and therefore his eyesight was dimmed, who in and shall drash. This is a medrash. And it's, it's not at all al pipshat, which is the modality of Rashi in his perush on Torah. In many places, the Rebbe distinguishes between Rashi's commentary on the Torah and Rashi's commentary on the Gemara. The Rebbe underscores here that this explanation is, is, is al-pidrash, and it's not in conformity with Rashi's general uh, approach in Torah. The third explanation, however, provides a, a greater wonder, so a bigger problem than this one. How is it possible? How is it possible that Hashem should dim the eyesight of Yitzchak? And for so many years, Rak only so that somebody else, in this case being Yaakov, should receive the brachas. In other words, smite Yitzchak with, with such a profound problem only to benefit somebody else. And especially, we're taught over and over that Hashem can accomplish the same thing through Infinite ways. Surely there were other ways that Hashem could have arranged it that Yaakov should receive the brachas. And because this is a bigger question, a bigger problem than the deficit in the second perush, which is that it's only a medrash and it's not a peep shot. Shari Grimas Yisurim Behefach Hatoyb Adam Avor Toyba Zulose Nires Kehefach Hayesher. Because causing pain and suffering to one person in order to benefit a second person appears to be opposite of justice. Something that we cannot, God forbid, ever attribute to Hashem. That's why Rashi places this third last, in the third place, third position. Yes, sorry. Question. To say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu never does that, that we that something happens to somebody to teach somebody to for other people. I I I've learned in the past that it has happened. Unfortunately, children, very young babies pass away sometimes to for the parents and not for the baby. The baby itself was pure and holy neshama. Why could a baby die so young? Something to teach parents and um, tzaddikim suffering. 
it says that tzaddikim who suffer, sometimes it's because they're suffering for the rest of the generation. You know, why do bad things happen to good people? One of the reasons that tzaddikim have it, have it bad is because they're teaching the generation something. So I don't know, I guess that maybe the Rebbe is trying to find something very, very positive here. But I have learned in the past that Hashem does do some things to teach other people. So I think what we have to remember is to zoom out and, and see the complexity of what we're talking about, okay? And even if and when sometimes it seems like something is happening and we even use that explanation, but the Rebbe says, but that's not the whole picture. There is never even an iota of injustice. And to say that one person should suffer only because of another, we cannot say that. So somebody, somebody brought out Dina Basleya. So Rashi says it's because Yaakov withheld her, therefore, but, but look what the Rebbe does in that iconic sicha of Dina Basleya. He explained to us that, that Dina had kaiches that had to be released. So in other words, we have to constantly, you know what, let's remember Rashi's words. Rashi says, If you were to take an anvil and, and smash a stone, there would be so many pieces, so many shards that would fall all over the place that seem to be like, how can we ever put this back together again? But they all came from the same stone. So it's like the old thing that they say in Hasidic, depends in what context you're speaking. This is true. This is true. This is true. This is true. We lack the ability most often to be able to put all the pieces that belong to one stone together perfectly. But, but that's why the Rebbe is here to teach us, among so many other reasons. So I was saying that to say that it was only for this reason. Like there are Mepharshim that say that Aaron suffered for his role in, in, in Cheta Ega, even though we know that he did this, al Nefesh, he was ready to lay down his, himself on the line to save B'nai Yisrael, because Khalil, if they would have done something to him, there would have been no recourse and so on and so forth. But there are Mepharshim that indict him for his passive role and say, therefore, that he lost his sons. But we know that his sons left this world for their own reasons. So like, it's, it's, it's a, a multi-gazillion piece puzzle. And, and we can't, you know, um, forget that for even one moment. Vav, Ka'amor Le'il, as stated above, V'chol echad mishleishus ha'pirushim yeishmaila al shnei ha'pirushim ha'acherim. Rebbe says, and let us also remember that in this set of three, each set of two has a strength or a um, superlative quality that the others don't. Or to say differently, that each set of two has a difficulty or it's a, you're a little bit hard pressed and that is shared by these two but the third one does not suffer from the same deficiency. So what's the main feature 
in the first relative to the other two, as I said earlier, because only the first is alluded to in the Pshutashal Mikra. So that is the, the perlative quality that the first one has that the other two don't. And as the Chabas said above, that's why Rashi puts it first. Now the Chabas is going to give us the salient quality of the second vis-a-vis the first and the third. So what does the second have that the first and the third are missing? So the Rebbe says, in accordance with all of the explanations, no matter how you cut it, the reason that Yitzchak ended up giving Yaakov the bracha is because his eyes were dimmed. Ella, however, but if you look at the first explanation or the third explanation, his blindness or the dimness of eyesight is a result, is an outgrowth of something negative. If you're looking at the first, it's because of the smoke that came from the offerings of his daughters-in-law. And if you're looking at the third explanation, it's because Yitzchak was drawn to bless Esav. And so you're left with the result, so it seems like Yaakov's blessings emerge from something negative, from, from something less than perfect, from a chesarin, from a deficit. But in contradistinction, but if you look at the second explanation, not only does it not come from a place of weakness or deficit, but on the contrary, the dimness of his eyes comes because of his superlative quality and his level of Yitzchak. It's because of that keda, because of what happened at that keda. Now the Chepa says, And in the third explanation, we find a superlative quality that is lacking in the first two. If you're looking at the first two explanation, it seems that the events that led to his compromised eyesight happened years before he became older. Because if it's about Asaph's wives, Asaph gets married many years before Yitzhak passes. If it's because of the Akedah, he was only 37. He was only 100 years old when Esav married his wives. 
We know this because when Esav got married, Yitzchak was, I'm sorry, when Esav was born, Yitzchak was, was 60 years old and Esav got married to replicate his brother at 40. And if you look at the second explanation, that this happened because of the tears of the angels. This was even earlier. He was only 37. So the question arises, so you see what the Rebbe is saying? If you're going to say that his eyesight was weakened and that this was precipitated by events that happened much earlier in his life, why does the Torah precede mention of his dimmed eyesight by the words, ki Yitzchak, the Yitzchak got older? In accordance with the first two perushim, the pasuk should have been written in a different order. In consonance with how these events happened. First, we should have been told that his eyesight was compromised and then that he got older. But that's not the way the pasuk appears. And therefore, Rashi cites the third parish, that this happened in order that Yaakov should get the blessings. And when, when, in accordance with this third explanation, it jibes the, the, the order of the Pasuk computes perfectly. It was when Yitzhak got older. And therefore, he wants to put his affairs in order. And so he seeks to bless Esau. Only then did Hashem cause his eyesight to dim. In order that Yaakov should get the brachas. Now the Rebbe finishes with a hayroa, Zion. This might be an all-time record in our learning. One of the lessons, one of the lessons of the third explanation of Rashi is Ad Kama Yesh How careful we have to be how much we have to distance ourselves from Lashon Hara. It would seem. David could have found a more simple, more elegant way that Yaakov should get the brachas. Simply to reveal to Yitzchak the truth about Esau, that he was a Russia. And then he'll understand that he has to give the brachas to Yaakov. It's not like Yitzhak was oblivious. He knew that because Rashi tells us and, and Pazuk tells us that, that they were a source of bitterness and consternation. He knew that they served a desire. 
by Yitzchak reckoned that this was not Esau's fault. He doesn't have he doesn't have the ability to influence them in the right direction. And even regarding Yitzchak himself, the Rebbe says, Esau knew that there are some aspects in Esau's personality that need refinement, let's just say. For instance, as soon as Yaakov, who was then masquerading as Yitzchak, mentions God's name, immediately Yitzchak knows something's up. Why? Because he knows that Esau's not in the habit of, of, of saying Hashem, of attributing things to Hashem and saying Hashem's name all the time. So if Yitzchak is not blind to, is not completely blind to the reality. Because we see that Yitzchak already had a certain doubt, a suspicion concerning Esau. So why doesn't Hashem just reveal the entire truth in its entirety? The Esav is a Russia. The Azay Lehaya Kotzeya Bikar Shabatachiana in Yitzhak. And then there would be no need for Yitzhak's eyes to be dipped. Eloshemikan Roy Manu, but from this we see At Kamba Yesh Lehisrachik, Ulehishamer, Midibor Lashanhara. How much we have to distance ourselves, and we have to be careful from speaking words of Lashon Hara. The Meshach, 57 Shanim Haya Yitzchak Kaloi Bevayis. For 57 years, Yitzchak was basically confined to his home. Ukim And as Rashi says, consider as a dead. Just not to say on a Jew, even a professed apostate, a heretic, not to say Lashon Hara. And, and Elishav, I see, I see the question, I'll address it in a moment. And if this is true regarding Esav, how much more so this is true for every Jew after Matan Torah, when Hashem said, Anoichi Hashem Elekecha, and Chasidus explains, Hainu She'etzel Kol Yehudi. This means that it is true for every Jew, Anoichi Avaya, that me, God, Nasa Elekecha, I became your God, Koychacha V'chayuscha, I became your strength. I became your vivifying force. We have to be careful not to say the Lashon Hara. So Elisheva, let me just open up the chat right now. I was just seeing what was flashing on the... Oh, sorry. I thought it was Elisheva, but it's Khani. Khani's asking, what about protecting him from the pain of seeing this evil in the sun? Don't we see him pass? Hashem made a pass away early for this reason. We do. We, in fact, do see this. Um, and then there's also a klutz kasha that we could ask the other way. And that is, we just said 
that we don't make one person suffer for the other. So here it seems that Hashem doesn't want to say Lashon Hara about Esav, so Yitzchak suffers. But, but Chani's answer could answer the Klotz Kasha. It's also protecting Yitzchak at the same time. So all of the pieces of the puzzle have to be considered all at the same time. Um, but what strikes me about this Hira is that very, very often uh, the ac accusation is leveled against uh, Chabad that we don't put enough emphasis on Lashon Hara. We might be the only group of women that don't gather every week to learn the halachis of Lashon Hara. And um, you could see that, that the Rebbe is, is, is telling us, <laughs> I, I kind of rely on you to get this. Because, you know, look, I, I don't, we don't need to belabor this point. If every single sikha is about Avas Yisrael and Avas Yisrael and understanding the core of every yid and understanding the neshama and understand, then, then, then this is muvan me'alav, it's self-understood. But if you didn't understand this already, let me just point out from this Rashi that here we're talking about Asaf. We're talking about Asaf, and the Abisha doesn't want to talk Lush and her about it. So it's kind of kind of a spectacular thing. So if I could ask a question, the Hira I don't have any issue with. It's the two additional things that the Rebbe brings in Ice Bays and Ice Hay to say, how could how could Yitzchak suffer blindness when Hashem just finished blessing him? And also Hashem could find other ways. And I feel like neither of those are answered, meaning we for sure should learn about Lashon Haran, even from Esav. But how does it explain that the way Hashem needed to have this done was through pain and suffering of a tzaddik? Is it just like, we don't know the answer, we will never know the answer and that's it? It's kind of like what Sarah asked before, meaning, so it, it, the, the Rebbe made the question stronger, but then those two elements of he was just blessed, blessed by Hashem and there are other ways that Hashem could have had arrangements that he shouldn't see, he shouldn't know who lived for what years. Like there's an Abishter here, he could figure out other ways that not to speak Lashon Har about Esav and Yaakov could, and Yitzchak could see. So it's like no, he's punished. We don't get it, right? We explains we it. it. But, but, you're, but that's exactly why the Rebbe says the Pirushim are in the exact order that they are. Right. Because we don't have an answer, because the question is so acute, so profound. But also the, the idea that he was doing him a favor, it is answered in a certain sense because he, even after the blessing and he was blind for 57 years, but Hashem only did it to him so that he shouldn't suffer from the pain of seeing who Asa really was. So it was a blessing in disguise. Wait, wait, we have, we must hold on for a second and remind ourselves the Rebbe is not treating in this sicha the whole story okay there's svarim and svarim and svarim chasidus of why it had to be that the brachas had to come in this way and so on and so forth the Rebbe is simply treating this rashi 
So we must remember that, okay? Not, he's not treating all the questions on the, on the Misa itself, because these are deep, deep in Yanim and Chassidus, right. what Yitzchak wanted to accomplish here and what his blind spot really, really was and why Rivka didn't suffer from this blind spot and, and, and how the Altarab explains that the brachas had to come dafke through Yaakov Avinu, even though Yitzchak saw that Esav's Sheresh Hashem was higher, v'chule, 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 so we could learn for months and months and months and we won't exhaust all the questions. It's simply to explain why there are three Perushim in this Rashi and the order in which they are presented. And when we remember that, it allows us to kind of sleep. <laughs> um, but I have a struggle with the outcome of this Sikha. Because if this Lashon Hara has to be something different, because if we're talking about Lashon Hara, how much would we know if the Abraham didn't tell us that? David and, and, and Batsheva. Miriam. Miriam was Aaron and Moshe Rabbeinu. That's it. It really Lashon Hara, Api Halacha. And we have to remember it every day. I mean, if the Abraham is the Rebbe, when the Rebbe said that the Abish was minimizing, was that we should learn that the Abraham did not want to speak Lashon Hara. What is this Lashon Hara that the Rebbe is talking about? Because when you look at all the stories, if not all, but so many of the stories in the Torah, it could fall under the category of Lashon Hara, one would think, because we would never have known this story if they didn't tell it to us. But Esther. So exactly is this Lashon Hara that the Rebbe is talking about? That, that, he didn't, that, that, didn't want to say, that the Abisha didn't want to say. The encyclopedia will still be written of the many, 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 many instances where the rabbi takes every story in the Torah that looks like it's written somebody and turns it around to show us that it was written only to underscore the greatness. And the rabbi says over and over, that Rashi teaches us that the Torah doesn't even want topic nusay of a trefa animal. And so therefore, when the Torah tells us something that seems to be not so ayayay, it's to teach us something. Look, look at the whole sikh of, of Miriam Basbilga. I mean, we'll just take one example, but I, I'm telling you, an encyclopedia will be written of what the Rebbe did here on Mapecha. So, so maybe that's the answer. Maybe that's the answer that this is pure Lashmar. Maybe that's Rocky, the answer. Rocky wrote in the chat. <laughs> Rocky, you want to explain what it says in in because uh, Torah studies is based on the Rebbe Sicha. So so explain. Okay, so first of all, today's Monday. So I just looked at it yesterday very briefly, but there was I remember the mention, and I just read the beginning, but it was a mention about that the level of Yitzchak was so high that he wouldn't have, it was for his benefit not to hear the Lashon Har. Lashon Har, that I, remember, I remember personally being at a Sikha at that Fabrengen and the Rebbe was saying Lashon Har is Miskabel. I heard my mother repeating to me that she heard it at the Fabrengen. You know, you get mixed up. But basically, the 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 forza, the, the strength of, of, of Lashon Hara that even, you know what I'm saying? If you like, it's like the bribery that's put into a pocket that you don't even know the judge's pocket. He doesn't even know it's there, but you're still bribed. So the whole idea of Lashon Hara is so strong. 
So it goes into that, but it also goes very much into the whole idea of the level of Yitzchak was so high that to hear from the Abish uh, um, Agnus, it goes into it. I didn't. I personally didn't go into it. If somebody wants to look into it, I could run and bring it, and and I could paste it on. I could paste it onto the copy paste onto the chat. But I did ask a question. Maybe it's a klotzkashka. Klotzkasha. My mind is not working so well this morning, but. 57 years. Did it have to be 57 years? Why not the last 10 years? It wouldn't have helped. I'm, 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 my brain is, I'm thinking. Why did it have to be with, according to what we were saying, in order for Hashem not to say Lashon Hara and for him to give this, uh, the brachas, why did it have to be 57 years, Rifki? Why couldn't it, it have been, been less? He thought he was dying. He, his five, he was within five years of his mother's years he was 123 his mother passed at 127 oh, okay. he lived five years of his mother he doesn't know when he's gonna go so he has to get his his um his things together he has to get his life the thing is a person has Bakir, but Hashem knows. So Hashem knew that it wouldn't be for another 57 years that he would be giving the bracha. So so oh, you're asking but why, why for 57 years was the cause of the blindness if it was Ash 57 years later? But it could be it's a klotzkash. I have like a little bit of a mishmash right now thinking. It's not a klotzkash. Well, I think it has to do with if, if Rashi tells us that this happened at that Kedah, then that's when it happened. It no, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going, I'm continuing with the whole third reason in order not to say Lashon Hara. If it's in order not to say Lashon Hara, and the Lashon Hara would have been said Ash 57 years later. If that was the only reason, then he could have gotten blind okay. a minute before. Okay. But, okay. but it's not the only reason. Okay. Okay. So it's it's, it's, a com it's complicated. Exactly. Did he get blind? He got blind at 123. The 57 years is at, from 123. And he needed to get blind then because that was when he was going to give the brachas. No, Hashem couldn't wait until he was 150 80. years old or whatever. He couldn't do that. It would have been too late. The brachas were given when he was 123. They were? Of course. It's it's just technically when it happened right before he gave the brachas. So he lived longer. Yeah, it, when, when he, 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 okay. he so that's what I thought. I thought I had a mishmash there. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for thank clarifying. You, I think Rifki, I don't know, and the Lush and Hara is a little bit, uh, but for me, it's just a huge takeaway how careful one has to be what we say to a parent about their child. Even if it's a Russia Marusha, even if there is no choice, even there is no end, even if it was out of their hands, because this is the way the Abishan made it, this is Taihu, and this is Tikkun, and this is the world Abishan went. We can go into so much chassidism. I think. For me, the takeaway is we have to be so careful how you say something to a parent about their child. And in our time, that's something that is extremely, extremely relevant. I don't know the different time it wasn't, but I'm just saying in our time, it is extremely relevant. We have to be very careful. And if that was for me, the lesson of the Sikha, it's, it's enough, Diana. Not just a parent and a child. I think it's, you know... That's true. That's true. But when we're talking to a parent of, of a child, that's of Zayer Hidden. 
Let's say it's especially when you say that you think that you're going to tell the parent because the parent has to take care of the child. And I saw someone in the chat ask, how could it be like, how could Yitzchak help Asab if he doesn't know? And and still, Hashem didn't think that Yitzchak had to help Asab. That was my question. Like, oh, what if Yitzchak that. wanted to take Asab to a therapist, for example, put him on medication, you know, get him some help? So sometimes a parent needs to know what's going on with their child. I don't mean this is like a, you know, totally deep question, just sort of saying maybe there's an aspect. Or maybe like you keep saying, this is just one angle. Maybe he could have done yeah, to shoot with Yitzhak's involvement. Right, that's... You're right. so right, Sipa, but uh, <laughs> principals and teachers are not the Abisher. And, and you're right that I think as parents, notwithstanding the lesson that we're learning here, we would all appreciate being told of things we need to know about our children so we could remedy them. Um, but the Abishter, who's everybody's parent and everybody's doctor and everybody's therapist, and knew that in this case, um, the Asa wasn't exactly what he needed to be on already. Maybe when they're 60 years old, it's too late for you to do anything, you know? No, 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 that's not true. I think you're a parent always, even though I'm yeah, nowhere near. The question is how much you could interfere at that point. Sometimes you have to just take back and accept what there is and and just, you know not try to take them to a therapist anymore. Or, or maybe it was meant to be that Asaph was the way he was and Hashem, you know, Hashem made it this way. You know, we talk about Bechir Chavshis, but in some senses, we don't really have Bechira. So maybe Asaph didn't really have Bechira Chavshis momish. And so he was supposed to be the way he was. And, and Hashem didn't say, oh, Yitzchak is going to have an influence on him and, and change his ways, you know? So maybe Leah, maybe Dina. Yeah, but how can you say that if if uh, right. Dina could have married that. him? I just said that, but that Dina was supposed to marry him and bring him to Chuva. But it didn't happen. She wasn't. But the point is, she wasn't. The Abishter, right. look, right. Uh, you know, later it says that Yaakov says to Asaph, why don't you go ahead? I'll catch up to you, right? And Yaakov is the meat of Emes. And Rashi right away says there, you know, at the end of time, Yaakov's going to catch up. Bahayu, um, you know, at the end of time, we're going to catch up. It wasn't the time. And that circles back to um, Schiffer's asking why it had to become blind for so long. Maybe the, maybe we just need to talk a little bit more about Yitzchak. Yitzchak was an Eila Tamima. Yitzchak lived in Gan Eden for three years. Yitzhak never left Eretz Yisrael. He was the only one of the others who had only one wife. He was in a different place. And it's, that's why Rivka had to arrange all this, because she did not suffer from the blindness that Yitzhak did. Yitzhak lived in a time that was yet to come. And Rivka understood the dangers of that, and that, 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 that it was still Golos. And in Golos, Yaakov Avinu, could not be tethered to Esav in a way where he would not be able to have his physical needs met <laughs> only through Esav. That, that was, yeah, was Yitzchak's vision, that he could, he could make a partnership between them and so on and so forth. It's not that Yitzchak thought for a minute that he was going to give Esav the brachas that, that were going to be given, like the legacy brachas. We, we know that because even after he knew that he gave the brachas that he thought should go to Esav, he gave them to Yaakov. Still, before Yaakov leaves, that's when he gives him the, the legacy brachas, right? So we, knew, we know that Yitzchak was not out to lunch. 
and that he wasn't oblivious to who Esau right. was, but he saw an ace of tremendous kaihas and he thought that he could create this alliance. And Rivka knew that that would fail on many levels and that that was dangerous. And, and more than anything else, she saw the world as it is now. And Yitzchak lived, you know, in, in, in Mashiach Saitan. Um, so why did Yitzchak have to be blind for so long? It's not why did he have to be blind? Maybe we have to understand it's a description of who he is. But the one thing blindness is a tip of the iceberg. Sorry. The one thing that I'm I'm not understanding is that the whole culmination of this is about sight, right? We're all talking about sight here, and then suddenly the takeaway is about hearing. It's about loshin hara. Loshin hara has nothing to do with sight. It's all about hearing. So he's not deaf; he's blind. So why do we suddenly go from talking about blindness to talking about Loshin Har, unless maybe it's to show that the people around him, even though they did see all these terrible things that Asaph was doing, did not talk about it. I think seeing and hearing are both about perception. Absolutely. But we're talking, so we're talking about the same thing, whether you take in the information through what you see, or whether you're perceiving things about a situation or about somebody else through what you take in, through what you hear. What I'm, I'm suggesting is, is it is it, are we learning something that the people of the time, although they did not have blindness and they did see this, and he did this for many, many, many years, f- 57 or plus years, maybe they did not say anything to him. Maybe Rifka, you know, the immediate characters in, in, in this, seen plus the all the other people there somehow rose to a higher level and didn't say any Lashon Hara about about Asaph. Very interesting. Very, very, very. That could also be meaning, but I don't know if that's the the actual hurrah from the Rebbe. I think the hurrah from the Rebbe actually was that Hashem didn't show him who Esav truly was so that he shouldn't be in, in a, Lashon is not, uh, you know, that it shouldn't be in a way of Lashon but that could also be that they didn't speak it. I, I it's think almost like, all 99% of Lashon comes from seeing. It's what you see. It's the chitzanius. It's what you see that causes Lashon And when you, you it, it. when you take it apart and you rationalize it, and you are done which takes which takes seichel. You have to, to judge for the to lachavschos takes rationalizing. I think all lashon hara, if not all, at least ninety nine percent, happens from what we see and we take it at face value. A person that's blind, a person that's blind. He wasn't blind because he didn't see. He was blind that when they give the brachas, the wrong, the wrong. Wait a second. He was blind, so he shouldn't see what Asaph was doing. Or when she gives the brachas, he gives it to the to the right. He gives it to. He wouldn't see that he's giving it to Yaakov and not to Asaph. The blindness. The blindness was for him to know that it wasn't. That he shouldn't see that it was Yaakov and not Asaph. The blindness wasn't to, that he shouldn't see the ba- the bad things that Asaph's doing. Asaph no, was very is, good at camouflaging it. it is. He That's didn't one see of- it. 
One no. of the we learned here, one of the reasons that he was blind was that he shouldn't see the evil that Asaph does. And he was blind, therefore he gave he switched the brachas. No, 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 no. That's the, the whole lesson that no. the Rebbe says. The Abishu doesn't want to tell him your son is a Russia and doesn't deserve it. That's, you know what, I wonder, this is a very interesting thing. I wonder if this is connected in any way to the Seder when we break the middle matzah. The middle matzah stands for Yitzchak and Gevorah. Okay. And Yitzchak is, the, is such a tzaddik, he can't see bad. Okay. Why are you breaking it. Since since when is Lashon Hara? Is this the only place that Lashon Hara is defined as knowledge about a person, as opposed to sharing or transmitting? Meaning, no, isn't it Hara- is about sharing and transmitting? It's that Hashem didn't share or transmit to Yitzchak. Hashem didn't share it or transmit it. So. Meaning, meaning when you observe a behavior that's negative and, and it's not, you don't share or do anything about it. Why is that in the same category as Lashon Hara where it's evil speech? You're sharing something like withholding information. It just seems like a very broad, unusual category of Lashon Hara. I, I, I think that I, I hear what you're saying, Miriam. Um, I think it's saying that something negative, even if it's true, is the Lashon Hara. But I think that this Hira is implying that all the other things we see in the Torah that we think are saying terrible things about someone can't can't actually be what we think it is at face value. If this is how the Abishter operates, then then we we have to understand those stories differently. I, I think the whole story here is about restraint. And the other examples that were given, they Lushenhara was spoken. It's all about restraining yourself from, from doing it. And who do we learn to restrain ourselves from? From Hashem, who, who showed tremendous restraint and teaches us that's what we have to learn to do. Even if it's true, even if you're dying to say it, even if you've been hurt, the person who's been hurt by it, just don't transmit it. No, I, I think you're right, Hannah. But earlier people were saying that there are stories in the Torah that Hashem told us that seem to be negative about people. Right. And if the Ibsha doesn't say Lashon Hara, then, then it's telling us something that's not negative. True. And nobody underscored that like the Rebbe did. We're so used to it that we don't realize how radical it is. What a radical rereading it is. There was nothing positive said about Dina until the Rebbe came along. Okay, it's clearly given us pause. We are all going to become such righteous women now.
anywhere. Anyway, we are already idea people and not, you know, thing people or, you know, people who spend time talking about other people, only sharing ideas. So can I say something like politically incorrect? Um, maybe I should stop. Did, did right you there. shut the recording? Yeah. <laughs> I have to remember how to do that here. Um,